everybody welcome back to the bitcoin layer uh, block height 785961 um my name is Nolin Sumba and uh today we have a very special guest with us um catalyst of uh, exonumian machankura kogatsu ngako um kogatsu uh welcome to the bitcoin layer i'm glad to have you here um, thank you very yeah. much for having me um, um yeah so um kg um allow me to call you KG for the rest of it uh, kindly mm-hmm. so um i'd like to start maybe by asking you what made you choose the name catalyst was it a philosophical point of view or uh, maybe just take us through your bitcoin journey by uh, starting with that yeah well um the catalyst decision was before the bitcoin stuff um well i was kind of doing it in tandem but um as a software developer i was always interested in the startup space and you know there's always all these things being said like uh, you need a co-founder you need first hires blah 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 but most of that really doesn't make sense as to how it would make your startup successful and i think i had just read uh, what's this um shoe dog millionaire i think it's called shoe dog millionaire or something like that but yeah. phil knight um yeah. and also and what was the other one i think the life of the party um the autobiography of bonnie wise right so um i feel like both these books uh, covering one covering the success of nike and the other covering the success of tupperware um highlighted that necessary uh, the person who was the word who has a lot of impact on the success of something may not necessarily be the founder right yes uh, the founder steers the share blah 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 all of this stuff but uh, the supporting cast is always there to actually deliver and um you know it's always great to reward the supporting cast but not just that um make them understand how vital that the role that they are playing is right so catalyst for me is a term that cap encapsulates the idea very well uh, because you know i think the scientific definition is accelerating a reaction without getting burned out or any item that can be used to accelerate a reaction without getting burned out and yeah bonnie wise accelerated the success of tapaway uh, by insisting it shouldn't be in the retail store it should be sold um by people uh, i think i forgot what they call them but let's just say tapaway agents um for nike a few people were involved in its success one the lady who designed uh, the check mark um the nike check and i'm like oh okay she was a catalyst and then there's other people who were like selling uh, the shoes uh, for phil knight in all across the country right? and phil knight's approach to dealing with them or I've, um, I forgot the Tupperware guy, but his name is Tupper. Um, his approach to dealing with Bonnie Wise as well, they literally just let those guys do whatever they thought would be best, right? And yeah, a catalyst is not necessarily a founder, first hire, whatever. You'll have a need, a catalyst has multiple stages of um, startups uh, or businesses um, lifespan. So yeah, I just wanted the term that would encapsulate what is important more than anything else.
just to add to the Nike thing, um, even Michael Jordan was like a catalyst for uh, Nikes, right? I don't know if I have my um, uh, Bitcoin beach shoes here, but, you know, uh, the Air Force ones. Uh, yeah, you know, the Jumpman is actually one of the most iconic shoes. And um, if you look how far down the line was um, Nike, at the point that Michael Jordan became, uh, uh, you know, an associated brand with them, you are like, damn, you know, he was still the catalyst. And there could still be another catalyst for Nike 10 years from now or for, you know, a Tupperware even uh, today, right? So catalysts are just one of those things where you're like, you never really know what they can do. But once they are there, you really should, uh, if we ha all hands on deck and just let them do whatever they want to do. Okay, um, um, I think from there, um, I don't even have to go further. You've uh, basically ushered it in, us into the discussion. So mm -hmm. um, you've talked about having a catalyst and um, you've talked about uh, catalyst maybe being necessary in the production process. Um, so um, in my mind, do you consider a catalyst the entrepreneur or uh, how, do you, how do you picture the catalyst as? Well, it's different in different circumstances, right? Um, de yeah. Depends on where, what state things are in at the current moment. It may be the entrepreneur, it may be uh, the brand icon, it may be the shoe designer, it may be the graphic designer, so on and so forth. Right? Um, Nike needed a, a very recognizable um I, a graphic right and the check mark uh, delivers that so well right and sadly i don't think anyone would have given that lady um the title of catalyst because also um she did it in such a short space of time and then went away right? and ideally that is also what a catalyst would do like if um my job here is done i'm i should move right so um, the entrepreneur in most cases would stick around for an extended amount of time phil knight stuck around with um nike i think even till now right so but catalyst could just be somebody who would be the most important person at that import uh, at that space of time or one of the most important people at that space of time doesn't need to be the entrepreneur though so um do you consider a, a time okay for example like um, if we do have a catalyst or entrepreneur at the top um do you look at this the same way as centralization do we have a centralized person who's running uh, the show uh, can we refer to it um, along the same lines? I don't know. It would, it would depend on how you choose to set your own stuff up. Right? Um, in most cases, there's usually somebody there, you know, centrally, either championing or coordinating everyone else. Um, yeah, that's just how things work. You know, there has to be uh, somebody there to coordinate or to refer to in most cases. But it could also happen in a decentralized fashion as well. Okay, um, good. So uh, maybe I can uh, get to um, maybe a question. So we've seen, you've talked about um, it being different, um, but over the years we've seen um, centralization um, being responsible for um, the most severe monetary catastrophes we've had in history. And um, it's landed us into hyperinflation, um, it's also led to livelihoods uh, being destabilized. 
um, as a result of us having like a central monetary uh, uh, control over the supply and distribution of, of money. So um, also throughout history, we've had radical ideas, uh, for example, separation of the church from the state. And mm -hmm. uh, this was considered radical um, back then, but uh, it was necessary to prevent uh, to people from abuse and uh, religious tyranny. Um, so um, what do you think? Do we, is the time ripe for an idea that separates the state from maybe uh, money? Oh yeah, no, most definitely, right? Um, uh, I look at it more as separating work from the state, right? Uh, so money, not so much. Yeah. I, I've seen, I think we've seen a few countries where there is separation from state and money, where either for whatever reason, yeah. the country does not control um or produce their own currency or uses a proxy currency, something like in El Salvador using the USD, even Zimbabwe. Um, well, to, after hyperinflation, what, what do people do? Uh, it's more convenient to use every other currency in the world than uh, the Zim dollar after hyperinflation, right? So um, I don't believe separating the state from money is enough, right? But separating the state from work is uh, the sweet spot, right? It's effectively what I think needs to happen because if the state is still able to skim off um, the economic output of everyone working within its borders, uh, it doesn't matter what the currency that is being used is, right? And it's even worse if you are disagreeing with uh, whatever um, the government is doing, right? Um, I think uh, more recent examples is the Canadian truckers who were protesting against their government for all these uh, draconian laws they implemented. And then ultimately the protest was qu going quite well, um, even um, from support from the nation, uh, the uh, people outside of the nation. Initially, some people were irrit irritated, so on and so forth, but they were going strong. And then the state decided they were going to close these people's bank accounts. Right? And that's uh, one of the things that led to um, the protest falling apart. Right? And they didn't manage to use Bitcoin um, to continue their protest. Right? And you take this and you compare this to the there were protests that were happening in Nigeria, the NSARS protest against police brutality. Nigeria, uh, the Nigerian state actually did um, close the protesters' bank accounts so they couldn't coordinate the protests or they couldn't fund coordination of the protests, right? But the they successfully set up um, a BTC pay server instance, accepted donations in Bitcoin and move the Bitcoin where the Bitcoin needed to go. Right? Um, there's many reasons why in Canada didn't work. Um, but ultimately, you know, um, at the end of the day, every other business that was around the protesters that was housing the protesters also got their bank accounts shut down, right? So they couldn't do business anymore. So effectively, you cannot protest the government if you are dependent on their money, right? Um, ultimately, even the Bitcoin companies that were custodial Bitcoin companies had to 
satisfy the requests of the state, right? So yeah, um, self custody solves this. Self custody fixes this. This is why it worked in Nigeria and probably why it didn't work so much in um Canada. But the biggest reason is that in Nigeria there were businesses willing to accept Bitcoin. Right. There was someone willing to accept Bitcoin on behalf of the protesters and paying off the businesses, so on and so forth. Right. So if you do not successfully separate work from state, there is nothing you can do. And of course, I also believe that instead of protesting, you should um, divert your economic output somewhere else. Right. And that is more productive than a protest uh, because you are not just starving the state you are protesting against, but you are building something else. You're building an alternative. And yeah, it's always better to build and to destroy and protesting most of the time you have to starve yourself instead of the state right uh, because there's always another pawn uh, that will be put there to play whatever role that the uh, the state once played once you have um left the picture okay um so i've, I've looked at this and um i'm, I'm thinking the others would argue that uh, we've basically been living in a system where um, the government plays a critical role, for example, in creating and enforcing laws, especially regarding labor, wages, and working conditions. Um, so how do we get to a point where we decide, you know, we can at least try and work uh, without, this, without the state? And uh, how will it affect, like, factors, taxation, um, how governments will will look like how will how they'll be set up so what scenario are we looking at here yeah so um, i think it touches back to your initial question or how you introduced your initial question which um was um central planning effectively doesn't work right um I'm in South Africa, you in Kenya, I have a power outage, you have a power outage. Yeah. Imagine two different countries yeah. experiencing the same issue. And um, I was on a call with someone else in Nigeria and I was telling them, yo, if I have a power outage, don't worry. And they didn't even flinch. They understood because they also have power issues, right? So... Um, and I say yeah. this uh, to say that uh, central planning doesn't work. You know, even the national power grid is a very stupid idea. Now, come to think of it, yes, there's economies of scale, yada, yada, yada. But the issue is that um, espionage is real. Right. Uh, somebody can infiltrate your decision makers because there is no decision makers. There is no state. There's only individuals working on behalf of, I don't know who they're working on behalf of. Other individuals who elect a state? I don't know. There is no state. There's just individuals who identify as, as an entity. Austrian economics, uh, I think Ludwig goes into more detail on uh, individualism and entities, blah, 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 and how they work together, right? So the question is, do individuals want their um, uh, discomforts uh, met, right, uh, satisfied, right? Do you want electricity in your house? Okay. Do you want food in your house? Do you want clean water? So on and so forth. And do you understand that the state is not the best approach 
uh, towards delivering electricity to your house, do towards delivering clean water, so on and so forth, right? Do you understand that taxes are not the best way to go about it? Because you cannot divert taxes away from a dysfunctional government, away from a dysfunctional state, no matter how poorly they are performing. in a free market, which doesn't exist, sadly, um, you would just get a different provider, right? If you are having uh, issues with your electricity provider who always gives you a power outage, we have like 12 hours uh, without power in South Africa in most regions, right? And at that point, everyone is incentivized to look for a different power supplier. Right? But due to the fact that um, the state has a monopoly, not just on violence, but on electricity generation as well, um, you have to stick it up and just keep paying whatever electricity provider was ordained with the ability to deliver electricity to the nation. And so for me, that is the issue. And yeah, so a functioning state though, the beauty with the functioning state is that it dissolves itself. It does not try to dictate uh, what people should earn. It does not try to dictate what people should eat. It does not try to dictate where people should work. And a dysfunctional state tries it all. It will put a department in place for the most random of things. Um, South Africa is the greatest example of that. If you look at our cabinets, our ministers, our anything that has to do with government, there's always a new department. There's always a new minister. Um, As of, I think, last month, we have a minister of electricity, right? because of the failing electrical uh, power grid. Whereas, you know, um, there's a lot of parties that want to provide electricity through alternative means, but they cannot get the go-ahead, right? Um, Funniest thing I read about was a nuclear company that was actually started in South Africa, but then it's headquartered in the USA and they don't even offer any products on the African continent because, of course, the regulations do not um, allow them to do what they would want to do. So they have to do it elsewhere. So you have to ask yourself, like, why is um, uh, why are we not funding this, as Peter Griffin would say? Um, But um, it is what it is. And that's how I I feel about the topic. It's not controversial, obviously, uh, to say that anything the state touches um, ends up being corrupted um, for obvious reasons. Um, I can I can actually relate to some of the stuff that you're saying um, about the African countries. And uh, so right now, I'm not sure about your country, but uh, for now, they want to increase the centralization. Um, because of the financial censorship and geopolitics that has been happening. And uh, there's the introduction of the CBDCs. uh, And uh, I guess you're just probably getting into a point where individual sovereignty will be attacked more. Um, So do you see hope? Do you see Bitcoin changing uh, the game or changing their narrative, especially in Africa? Yes. I don't feel like the attack is actually on individual sovereignty. Right? I think um, 
those that are sovereign have don't have much to worry about those that desire to even be sovereign do not have much to worry about they just need to understand what they need to do right they can just use bitcoin they could um, generate their own electricity uh, as inefficient as solar is it's better than um escom in south africa right um so they would also have to figure out what it is they have to do to actually make it happen, to actually um, be sovereign, right? Uh, what they need to sacrifice. What I think is the issue would be, or what I think would be a problem would be for everyone else who just does not quite understand that um, they can be sovereign if they so wish. Okay? But the issue is that people want free stuff. Right? Um a friend of mine, uh, we were talking about uh, banking adoption levels um, in South Africa. And one of the things we talked about was how they were low uh, maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And they started ramping up as uh, the social grant system was integrated with the banking system. So for people to get those grants, they would have to have a bank account. And so people you know, create those bank accounts or, you know, just use the social cloud system bank account. And yeah, so the banking levels increased. So the issue with the CBDC isn't necessarily that it's a CBDC, but it's that it will be adopted if um, it's used to also roll out a UBI, right? a universal basic income. Right? I think Nigerians have shown that technically speaking for a CBDC to be adopted is hard um, a lot of the things that were happening in Nigeria with regards to currency and um, new notes and stuff can be conspiracy theory uh, related to the decision that they rolled out the e-naira and people were not adopting it that well. And so they were trying new things to actually make people adopt it even more. Um I think the last report was that 1% of the population adopted the e-naira. So, yeah, they were not doing that well, right? So, yeah, the issue isn't that it will be rolled out. The issue is it will be adopted. What needs to be done for it to be adopted? And why are people not using the alternatives, right? So if you know that this is a CBDC, as a sovereign individual, you have no reason to use it. Right? You could just use Bitcoin every day of your life, every second of your life. And um, life goes on. Right? And if you are unable to use Bitcoin because of whatever reason, maybe the internet in your country is not good enough or your the power supply in your country is not good enough, then that is the thing you should be focusing on. Like, how do I improve the power issue in my country? And this is actually an issue in so many countries. Um a lot of people cannot run Bitcoin nodes because the power supply is not stable enough. And usually after a power outage and the node goes down, they would have to wait a few hours for the node to catch up with all the transactions or in all the blocks that were published, right? So what do you do? You have your node with a backup power supply. That's what I did initially, but then the power outages became longer and my backup power supply needed a backup power supply. And, you know, so issues and stuff like that. But you have to then solve your own issues as a sovereign that have nothing to do with the state. Uh, the state will notice when people are not adopting whatever things they are giving out. As I, as I said, right, there is no such thing as state. There's just individuals who are doing their job. Um, what is their job? They 
their jobs dictated by what other people want. Right? So who wants a CBDC? Uh, has anyone said, oh, I want a CBDC? I don't think they have. Right? Uh, everyone is trying to solve whatever issues is in their country and using whatever tools they believe are the best tools to solve that issue. So some of these tools have a marketing budget. Uh, I don't know who's the guy or the company that has the contract to roll out the Nigerian CBDC, but somebody had to pitch and somebody had to uh, sign that contract. And that guy did a very good job marketing um, their company. Hopefully, we you know, get that guy to market Bitcoin as well, because that would be the difference in adoption. Who, why is Mpesa doing better than Bitcoin in Kenya, right? So why is there no not the same level of push for Bitcoin in Kenya as it, there is for Mpesa, right? So yeah, things like that. The Bitcoin layer is sponsored by Foundation Devices. Foundation Devices are the creators of the Passport Bitcoin hardware wallet, the Bitcoin hardware wallet that you already know how to use. Guys, it's got a gorgeous design. It's got a very sleek interface, very great screen, directional pad that everyone knows how to use. It makes Bitcoin storage easy and accessible to just about everybody. If you've been put off in the past from taking your Bitcoin off exchanges, which we highly advise that you do, your Bitcoin isn't really there. These are fractionally reserved institutions. Look no further. This is extremely simple. Everyone already knows how to use it right out of the box. And better yet, you can get $10 off your purchase when you use code BitcoinLayer at checkout. Go to the BitcoinLayer.com foundation to get yours today. Now, on with the video. I'm glad that you talk about solutions. Uh, maybe then I can introduce some of the solutions that you've implemented yourself. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with you um, in two projects, Machankura and Exonumia. And uh, mm -hmm. I'd like to um, maybe request or maybe ask you to um, take us through in terms of separation and work of work and state how are you channeling your projects um, towards working and uh, fulfilling this okay uh, so i'll start with exonumia because that's the first one and um exonumia was a project that began in 2018 2017 after i was reading a lot of literature on bitcoin and i learned a lot of stuff and i was like damn this would be great if um, I could take it back to my township and have a conversation about this, right? Uh, yes, I can have this conversation with my peers who also use English as much as I do, but not too many people use English that much in the township. And in fact, they would prefer not to speak a word of English while they are not at work, you know, because they are tired and they would like to speak it in their home language. So my question was, how are we going to talk about Bitcoin in our neighborhoods? And of course, we have to use our home language. And it would be great if somebody did the heavy lifting to do those translations. And the people who want to have those conversations can just have those conversations and yeah exonumia began i personally don't even do any of the translations uh, i just coordinate translators offers yada 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 blah 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 and um then we take it from there and it's been a very fun journey so far um we have quite a few books on the platform um layered money is also there uh, thank you very much nick um how that happened was actually twitter you know i, I don't know why i had a twitter 
um, a tweet, what's this tweet deck, you know, tweet that you can actually search for stuff and um, yeah. make the search static. Right? So you could always go there. So one day I decided to create a tweet deck search for Bitcoin in Africa. Right? And on that specific day, Nick was talking about or asking what's happening about Bitcoin in Africa. And I was like, yo, we're doing these translations. And he's like, oh, let's uh, do um, uh, translations for layered money as well. And yeah, um, then, you know, uh, it happened. And we have a few languages, I think four or five. There's one I haven't yet published for layered money, but I need to correct that. I'm sorry. Um but yeah, uh, the, and also we're working on translating the Bitcoin standard into Swahili. We are also working on publishing translations for the block size wars, publishing translations for Laid Learn Bitcoin by Anita and uh, 21 Lessons. What? Which one was the first book? Yeah, I think Laid Money was the first book to ever get published because I was also afraid of doing books at the time uh, because it's significantly more expensive than translating articles, right? Because articles have less words than books on average. Um, but the community has also stepped up and contributed towards the translations. And yeah, sadly, I'm not going to be participating as much as I used to in Oxonumia, but I think we have enough members in the community for it to keep flourishing and enough tools for it to keep flourishing. And what else? Oh, yeah. So then after that, I was like, oh, um, now that I can talk about Bitcoin, it would be great if I could just send them Bitcoin so that I don't have to talk about Bitcoin because I hate talking. Right. So um, after two hour conversations, I'm like, wow, it took me two hours to explain Bitcoin to this person. This cannot scale. So um, I then decided, OK, let me just uh, create a tool that can work for almost anyone, um, especially in South Africa, well, Africa as a whole. And uh, that is how Machangura was born. It's a longer story than that, but I'll keep it short in by just saying that. And yeah, Machangura is effectively a USSD interface that allows people to send and receive Bitcoin, right? Um, it's similar to a please call me or it's similar to mobile money. So there's a service in the back end that receives a request and then it processes the request. And yeah, that is all the person will have to do to actually uh, use Machangura, uh, dial the USSD code, and then they are presented with a prompt and response interface, almost like a chat GPT prompt and response interface but this interface has a 20 second timeout and it's not ai and so there's a set a number of uh, possibilities that a person can do uh they just select an option by inputting whatever number is related to their option and it just works you know it's almost like a decision tree uh, send bitcoin um, to a phone number or a lightning address or a username so you select phone number you enter the phone number, you enter the phone number, enter which unit of currency you want to use, enter the unit of currency, blah, 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 all of that good stuff. And yeah, then it works. And it basically, uh, and, and I keep saying this to people, it kind of rewired my approach to technology, well, to Bitcoin as well. Um, 
because in Africa, the internet penetration levels are low, right? This is a stat I looked up after actually building Machangkuk. I didn't bother looking at it before, right? And the internet penetration levels across Africa are at 80%. And I'm like, wow, so what, why, were, why are we so caught up in building apps if the internet penetration level is at 30%? And it's even worse if you look at payments, right? Some research um, estimates that 90, around 90% of all payments happen via the USSD interface. And so every fintech is that does not have a USSD interface for that matter. It's just trying to eat off the 10% that is internet-based transactions right in Africa. Right? And I found that very awkward because why are we not doing more USSD stuff? Why are we not making use of the GSM infrastructure that we have? Right? And it only makes sense for a payment network or a payment platform to support more people because of network effects, right? So if um, your technology can only work for 30% of the population, chances are you will not, your technology will not be used as a way to make a payment versus the technology that can work for 70% of the population, which is the GSM stuff, right? Um, or mobile cellular connection, at least 75% of the African population has a mobile cellular connection. And that is why mobile money works so well. So... Yeah, it rewired my approach and the Machangura icon is something I designed. I, I wanted to have a Bitcoin B with a old telephone in, in the middle. I, so one day, one day I just sat down and drew it. And, um, then I was like, Oh, the Bitcoin B actually also looks like a phone booth. And, um, you know, I was like, Oh, okay, cool. That's nice. Um, and there's other things as well I learned after the fact, uh, which is um, the crazy things you can do on a SIM card, right? So um, what's this? Mobile money actually uses the SIM card to store private keys, right? It's a hardware secure module that they use. So some mobile money transactions are actually signed by the SIM card. Imagine that. Which other technology? Yeah, well, you know, the more you know. Which other tech? Yeah, which other technology signs transactions or has a requirement of signing transactions? Oh, Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this is uh, my journey towards that uh, goal. Um, This is a sim overlay. Uh, This is basically. This chip is as thin as uh, this plastic I'm trying to hold up. I don't know if there's enough contrast for you to see. So um, this chip, then what happens is you program whatever you need to program onto it. In this case, the ability to store a private key and the ability to sign a Bitcoin transaction and the ability to interpret an SMS uh, so that you determine whether or not the SMS has um, any Bitcoin data related to it. And then, yeah, broadcast a Bitcoin transaction as well. Right. So, yeah. And then once you're, you've done programming that, you just remove the chip from this board. 
and then you stick the chip on a SIM card and then you uh you have the ability to self custody bitcoin right uh this is called the java card chip a lot of uh the tap to pay things use uh, well tap yeah tap to pay in the real world and in bitcoin world use nfc uh, this also has nfc support and they do they use java card to do the programming right so um, this is just great impressive stuff so what I'm trying to do is you use this to give a person the ability to self-custody Bitcoin, even on a device like uh, the Nokia 105. I think it's 110. I don't know. Um, and yeah, so once this is a thing, ultimately anyone could get the ability to have a hardware wallet on their SIM card. But my desire and my ultimate desire is that the hardware wallet should be as cheap as a SIM card. You know, I don't know about you, but the last SIM card I bought was for like three rands. Um, that's like what, less than 30 cents, uh, oh, 30 uh, USD cents. Here it's around um, 50, that's 50 cents. Yeah, it's been less than a dollar for sure. Yeah, right. So yeah, I'm like, okay, how hard do we have to push to get hardware wallets below a dollar? Right. And for me, if all you need to do is buy a SIM card to get a hardware wallet, that's a good enough push. And of course, it becomes cheaper the less functionality you add to it. Like, um, I think this is quite expensive because it has NFC and all these other cool things. But removing NFC and just making it a good old fashioned bitcoin hardware wallet that only supports on chain for now and maybe have a future version that supports lightning because this may be able to do some lightning transactions as well um specifically because of the project by not just um blockstream with Greenlight, but i think um lnd also has a remote signer so you run the node on somewhere else and this just does the signing and then you just broadcast the message to the device and it signs so um, there has been issues identified with this approach the main issue and uh, the most vocal issue is that that would be blind signing, right? So as long as a person is able to know how to format the message and, well, encrypt, decrypt, whatever, and send that message to the chip, the chip will sign it and broadcast the signed transactions. And now your, uh, what's the word? your Bitcoin is gone, right? So um, there's other projects in the space like the validating lightning signer. And that is the ultimate goal of what this would be. Uh, this would need to run a validating lightning signer thingamajiggy. And yeah, but I'm not rushing. For me, it's um, a good enough um, goal to say you are able to receive a Bitcoin transaction and sign a Bitcoin transaction off a feature phone, right? So um, everything else will come at a later point. Uh, but yeah, that is where the possibilities are. And it's also nice that the Java card uh, ecosystem is quite healthy in the Bitcoin space. Uh, we have Spectre who have a Java card repo. We have Ledger that has had a Java card repo since like 2015, 2016. Um, well, I think TapSigner, I think they use Java card as well. I'm not sure, but uh, from what I've heard from a few people, it, they use Java card as well. Um, 
there's other things like key card uh, also use Java card stuff. And now the missing element would be plugging in the GSM network into that, right? So how would this device receive um, a Bitcoin transaction or via SMS and then, um, you know, sign a Bitcoin transaction and then broadcast that Bitcoin transaction via SMS? Um, it can start in a trusted way, as in you have to trust whoever sending you the Bitcoin transaction. But over time, you can get more trustless by having more logic that verifies um, what information it's getting, that verifies more blockchain data. Um, yeah, but of course, there's bandwidth limitations and stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, um, I'm truly excited about the stuff you're working on. Um, so um, I'd like to maybe uh, finish up by saying, um, do you have any last words for our viewers, KG? Um, oh, yeah. How we can get to hyperbitcoinization? How do you see the year going? Oh, no, it's a simple, it's a simple process, right? Quit your fiat job and uh, <laughs> work on Bitcoin, right? Uh, figure out what contribution you can make to Bitcoin. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what skills you have. You don't have to be technical, right? Yeah. Uh, just, you know, quit your fiat job and do a Bitcoin business. Um, and I think also, you know, there's like, too much emphasis on the technical side in the Bitcoin space. Like there's really so much. And it goes back, I think, to the earlier part of the conversation about capitalists, whether capitalist has to be an entrepreneur. And uh, I think we are also underestimating the contribution that the lady who did um, the graphic design for Nike made to the success of Nike. And I think in the Bitcoin space, we are, underestimating the significance that all the soft skills can have in the Bitcoin space, right? Um, I recently got to meet the Hodling Apparel guys. Uh, they make um, Bitcoin t-shirts well, and clothing as well. I, and I'm like, okay, that is, you know, quite a very important thing to do because they also have cool designs. Like, oh, shout out to Gridless for giving me this shit t-shirt and it's a very cool design as well um because shirts man shirts are free marketing imagine you give somebody a shirt and they walk all, all around the place wearing the shirt right? and i feel yeah. You know, yeah. uh, nothing says success as much as uh, seeing a shirt somewhere. Right? Um, a few years ago, I was working in the township and I saw a lot of people wearing TikTok T-shirts. And I'm like, what the hell? Why did TikTok have a marketing campaign giving away free T-shirts, right? Um I don't think they had a marketing campaign. I just think some enterprising t-shirt printing sellers decided to put the t TikTok um, logo on a shirt and decided that was going to sell, right? Um, Tupac t-shirts are big as well across the African continent. I don't think the Tupac estate put out the budget that said, okay, we're going to have a lot of Tupac t-shirts. Uh, it's just enterprising individuals deciding, okay, uh, the image of Tupac will sell a t-shirt, right? So we need that for Bitcoin. But sadly, in the Bitcoin space, a lot of Bitcoiners are preaching to the choir, right? Uh, they are making stuff for other Bitcoiners and not making stuff for people on the fringe, right? I grew up a rapper. Um, 
One of my cousins grew up listening to Tupac. He still listens to Tupac to this day, but he didn't grow up a rapper. I find it awkward when I visit him and he's listening to Tupac because I'm like, yo, you were never there at any of the hip hop shows we hosted in the neighborhood. But you are such an avid Tupac fan. Another friend of mine is a heavy Eminem fan. Like one day I visit from high school, I visited him on one of the last days of school and he was playing nothing but Eminem. Like I, I think spent two hours at his house and only Eminem songs. And I looked at his CDs, only Eminem CDs. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. But the point is ultimately, right? Um, people would want to get and use Bitcoin. People are hearing about Bitcoin and there's really a huge gap to provide for these people, right? It's not all tech. Uh, there's all these different aspects and all these different ways that people could make a contribution to that. And all it requires is a person quitting their job and uh, doing uh, some Bitcoin related things. Uh, you don't have to know what it is now. You can just say, okay, I'll use whatever skills I have to do something Bitcoin related and then take it from there. And what else? Yeah, I think that for me, that is the most important thing I can ever say in my life. Quit your fear job and do some Bitcoin related thing. Okay, so you've uh, obviously had it from KG, um, quit your fiat job and uh, do whatever you need to that, that's uh, Bitcoin related. So um, KG, where can our viewers find you? Okay, um, the website is mobi, and then from there you should be able to see all the... Um, accounts, social media accounts, Twitter accounts. Uh, we are also on Nostra. I think I should add the Nostra and uh, pub at the bottom of the page as well. Uh, but not as much Angura as myself. Maybe I'll set up a much. Oh yeah, I've set up a much Angura and pub as well. Maybe I should put the end pub um, on the website too, but it won't tweet. It will just uh, broadcast zaps uh, for other people. And yeah, I think that's about it. Okay, um, so your work is truly inspiring. Um, I'm amazed uh, with the journey. So uh, thank you for joining us, KG. Um, thank you for having me. Today. The Bitcoin Layer is sponsored by Foundation Devices. Foundation Devices are the creators of the Passport Bitcoin Hardware Wallet, the Bitcoin Hardware Wallet that you already know how to use. Guys, it's got a gorgeous design. It's got a very sleek interface, very great screen, directional pad that everyone knows how to use. It makes Bitcoin storage easy and accessible to just about everybody. If you've been put off in the past from taking your Bitcoin off exchanges, which we highly advise that you do, your Bitcoin isn't really there. These are fractionally reserved institutions. Look no further. This is extremely simple. Everyone already knows how to use it right out of the box. And better yet, you can get $10 off your purchase when you use code BitcoinLayer at checkout. Go to the BitcoinLayer.com slash foundation to get yours today.